Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. What if our gospel be here? It is hope to them that are lost, whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commended the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You probably remember from your study of history that one of the means used to prevent an enemy from returning as your enemy, once he was captured, was to put out his eyes. When a person was captured, his eyes were put out, although he was left alive, and dealing with that had neutralized him, and he would no longer be capable of being your opponent. This was what happened to Samson, the mighty man who had such tremendous strength and when they finally succeeded in subduing him by the trickery, cutting his hair, put his eyes out, thinking that he no longer could be their opponent. There's things that when Jesus was on trial, they blindfolded him. And then they stopped him and asked him to prophesy as to who had done it. Thinking that the blindfolding of him would render him a less opponent, that they could do as they wished with him, for he was blindfolded. They did not know that he had sight well beyond any physical eyes, and did not need to see with physical eyes in order to achieve his goal, his purpose in coming to this world. One of the methods that Satan uses against God is to take the people of this world and blind them so that they can no longer see, thinking that if he blinds them, they will not be his opponent and he will be able to subdue them. Our scripture deals with that very subject of Satan who actually blinds the minds, as the scripture says, of people, in order that he might turn them away from God. One of the charges made against the church at Laodicea over, as you will find it recorded in the book of Revelation, was the fact that they had eyes but could not see. And they were admonished by the Lord in the letter to them that they come to him. But they did not know that they were blind. And they ought to come to him and have their eyes open.
open, their eyes anointed with eye salve in order that they might see. There are more blind people in the world than there are people with sight. I'm not talking about physical eyes, you don't understand. I'm talking about the eyes that come from the mind and cause us to see things that are beyond the capability of physical eyes to comprehend. And it is that realm that Satan comes and and convinces people that what we say is absolutely ridiculous. They cannot see that what we do and say has any value. They just can't see it. We've used that term all we use it all the time when somebody explains something to us and tries to convince us, and we come back to them and say, I can't see it. Meaning that our mind has rejected in some way the concept being presented. The devil uses this to keep the world from listening to what the church has to say. He has blinded the minds. They turn us off. They consequently turn off the Lord and say that this nonsense I can't and refuse to listen. And that's because of this that we have the tremendous problem of trying to convert the lost of this world to salvation because their minds have been blinded. I want to talk about the blinding of the mind. And as much as time as I have, I've got five points I want to make, and we'll probably stop short of five. But first of all, I want us to look at the fact that Satan blinds the minds of people as to the consequences of sin and the need for salvation. If you will compare verse 4 and verse 6 of this particular passage of Scripture, if you have your Bible still open there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, at verse 4, verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world, the God of this world is recognized throughout the Scripture as Satan. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not. Why did he do it? Then the response is given. Lest, that is, in case the light might shine, the glorious, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ might shine. They be converted. Satan blocks the mind so that it cannot receive the light that will shine from it. So, Satan blinds, look down in verse 6, and what God does, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, or in his presence. God shines the light into the minds and hearts of people to make them see the reality of what we preach. Satan blocks the mind so that what we preach can't get in. God opens the mind, Satan closes it. God shines the light, Satan does nothing but produce darkness. 
God wants to turn us on, Satan wants to turn us off. Back in the very beginning of history, Satan came down to earth and said to Eve, you won't die if you eat that fruit. That's God telling you something that is not true. Eve believed him. It is a common fact that people believe that Satan says does not believe what God says. It is easy to believe a lie. It's hard to believe the truth. We can go out of this church building today and tell two stories. One of them will be an absolute lie, one will be a complete truth, and nothing but the truth. And the majority of the people to whom we tell us will believe the lie is fact and reject the truth. Who is the world can do with this? But Satan trying to block our minds. When a person goes out to commit a crime, he believes in his mind that he's going to get away with it. He believes that. No thief ever went out to steal thinking that he was going to get caught. He goes through the process of developing the plan. And he conceives of all the things that he's going to do, what time he's going to do it. He knows the patterns of the people. He knows uh, where the police are or are not. He's got it all figured out. And all he has to do is go up there and steal that and he'll get away with it. He knows that. He has convinced himself of that one fact, that he can succeed in his crime. That's the same thing that we do when it comes to sin. I suppose most of us, and maybe all of us, and certainly those who are not saved, believe that you get away with sin. And do you know that some criminals get away with stealing and with murder and with all the other crimes that they they actually get away? They have deceived man enough, and they are smart enough to cover up so that man never undercovers their crime. It is possible to sin, and the people of this community will never know that we committed. It's possible if we're smart enough. Most of us are not smart enough, and we get caught by somebody in our act of sin or pride. The thing that people do not calculate is that you don't get by with it with God. God knows and sees all, and we are caught in that trap of saying, I can get by, it makes no difference. That's the problem. And God saying, the way to sin is death. But God offers a gift of eternal life to those who are The second thing that Satan does is he blinds the mind to the joys of being a Christian. One of the first things that goes through the mind of a person who thinks about being saved is, well, I'm going to have to give up this, 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 this. I can't have those things anymore. My life is going to turn into, turn into a doll and grab it. I'm going to have to be long-faced, uh, a sorry mess, no more fun in life if I become a Christian. It's all gone. To be a Christian means to be a terribly sad individual. That's the problem. 
I had a man in that church several years ago. He stood up in a, in a service to give a testimony, and he showed me that first thing. He said, the whole congregation, he said, before I became a Christian, I thought when I became one, I would be the saddest, most unhappy, miserable person on the face of the earth. I knew I had to do it because I wanted to go to heaven. But I knew I was going to have to give up all of these things, and I certainly was not going to have any more fun. Life was going to be dull and drab. And he said, what a surprise I got. When I became a Christian and discovered that the Christian life was beautiful and good, and I was happy, and I enjoyed life more than I had ever enjoyed it in all of my life. To be a Christian is not to give up. To be a Christian is to receive is to obtain from God something that makes life worthwhile and joyful. The things that we once thought were so important, we will discover, and we now who are Christian discover, those things aren't so attractive anymore. There's something else that's more attractive. And if you haven't experienced that kind of thing, or you're a little glad in experiencing that, it's because you have not yet gotten yourself close enough to the Lord to understand that from Him comes not bad things. From him comes blessings. Now, all of the bad things of the world are denied and developed by somebody else besides God. Why do we blame God for the bad things of the world? It is Satan who is the author of those things. God is the author of goodness. Now, God does allow us to experience uh, unfortunate things and situations in order that several things can take place that we don't have to, time to deal with this morning. But he is one who refines us and by our trials and our tribulations makes us more like him. And out of that comes more blessings and more joys than we are pleased to do. Job went through such a terrible time and lost all of his possessions and all of his family, and he was just the cover from all from top to bottom, but he never complained one time. He remained faithful, and he praised God, and he blessed God, and he prayed to God, and he asked God for guidance and understanding. But Job remained faithful to the end, regardless of what came to him, and out of that, God blessed that man more than he possibly could you see, God wants to give us His storehouse. And we say, oh no, I don't want to put the key in that lock and open that. There might be something terrible in there. But Satan will offer us a key to the damnation of hell, and we reach out to prayer and say, oh, get it! Behind that door, hold up the bunsen! Only to discover that once the door is open, it's blackness and death. And it's light and light behind the door that God offers. Thirdly, Satan blinds us, blinds our minds to the power that's in the gospel. Paul said to the Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God and the salvation of everyone that believes. One of the misconceptions in the world tells about the Christian is that this is something we do in church, this thing called the Bible, and 
Christianity and being saved and, and going to church, all that stuff is for young folks and old men. No man who is worth anything would think that he has to depend upon all of that stuff that goes on in church. And those who are in those years between being a kid and being a, a, an old person think this is the time to really live and live up and go side so wide open to do all of those things that, that life seemingly is made for. And we don't need that because we're self-made. I'm my own man. I'm my own person. I am the master of my soul. Goes, the poem goes. But that isn't true. There's not one of us that's strong enough to stand against the wiles of the devil and conquer him. He will kill us every time. You only have to look to see if Paul and Peter and John and Martin Luther and other great saints of the world past were weaklings. Did you say that Paul was a weakling who needed God to depend upon? One of the greatest men that I know. Would you say that Peter, that stalwart, robust fisherman, needed somebody to lead a bond? He was a, a stalwart person. He saw that there was value, that there was power in being saved and being a part of the gospel of Christ. Those people who say that they're strong enough to survive on their own are the ones that are addicted to uh, alcohol and drugs and all the other things that come into our lives. Fourth thing, Satan will blind us to God's love. Satan will say, God doesn't love you. You know, one of the coolest things that can ever happen to a child is for somebody to say to them, Mommy doesn't love you. Daddy doesn't love you. That's true. That underlines. Because nearly every child yearns for a mother and dad who gives him the foundation of things. And for someone to say, Mommy doesn't love me anymore. It's still a child. Because the child is a child. It's enough when a husband says to his wife, or a wife says to her husband, I don't love you anymore, move out. It's devastating when it's said by a parent to a child or somebody else's child about the parent. And yet that is exactly what Satan is saying. Doctor, I know. Some of you, I'll be you These deranged men who prey upon children and are so kind to them on the street and say, Would you like to have a piece of candy? It's good enough to get off the street following this past. Because Satan is holding out to you and to me all these nights. So wouldn't you like to have a night with it? 
come to me, I'll give you a good time. I'll give you something that makes you happy. I'll share everything I have with you. Come home with me. Those are sacred words to the world, just like you have heard them on television in those uh, situations where men have tried to draw children into slavery for one sort of thing or another. That's what Satan's doing, and Satan is saying, you're a mommy and daddy. I didn't want those children are in the ground of the pain.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.